0: Your Bibles tonight. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter number one, please. 1 Samuel chapter number one is where we're going to find our text tonight. And uh, we, of course, have been preaching a message series on men who were not enough. The theme uh, for our church this year is more than enough. And uh, we've, of course, been emphasizing that you and I, as, as human beings, we are not enough. We have, we have problems, we have issues. Uh, We have weaknesses. Uh, We have lots of things that we all struggle with. And when we look at those things and we think about what God's given us to do, live holy lives, uh, have happy marriages, point others to Christ, advance the gospel message here on this earth, we we look at it and we say, "I I can't do that. I'm not enough. And that's exactly right. That's where God wants us to be. Because when we come to the realization that we're not enough, we tap into his power, which is more than enough, to enable us to get the job done of what God has given us to do. And we're looking at different characters in the Bible who were not enough. And we come now to a most unusual character. And I'm excited about this message. The Lord has uh, been dealing with me and speaking to my heart as I've been preparing it. And I've been excited to deliver. Would you look with me in chapter one and verse number 24? First Samuel chapter one, verse 24. The Bible says, and when she had weaned him, She took him up with her with three bullocks and one ephah of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh. Of course, we're speaking of the the mom, the woman, the she is Hannah. And when the Bible talks about bringing him uh, to the house of the Lord in Shiloh, we're talking about Samuel. Notice the Bible says that the child was young and they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. And she said, oh my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here, praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of him. Some of you, some of you can look down the aisle of where you're sitting, and you can think to yourself, that's a child I prayed for. God answered the petition. He answered the Prayer request of my heart, that's, that's the one there. Therefore, verse 28, therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. Well, we come tonight to another great illustration of this truth and concept in our subject tonight, which is, of course, the idea that men, who were not enough. And I must tell you that what is portrayed in 1 Samuel 24 to 28, to me, I just have to be honest with you, it's almost a little humorous. Now, now you, you perhaps aren't as far down the road as I am here. You're looking at me like there is nothing funny about what takes place in verses 24 to 28. But hear me out. I, wanna, I want you to use your imagination just a little bit tonight if you would. Matthew Henry, the uh, Bible uh, author and commentator, he, uh, he, he, writes, he writes this, he, he, he writes that it is likely that when Samuel was left by his mother in the tabernacle at Shiloh, he believes he was only three years old. Now, if that doesn't put a smile on your face, I don't know what will. Now think about this for just a moment. Imagine, imagine this scenario as it's played out. You have this mom named Hannah and she had begged and pleaded with the Lord for a child and she had promised that if the Lord were to give her a son that she would give him back to the Lord. We read of that earlier in the chapter in verse number 11. And I just have to tell you, she was quite serious about fulfilling this vow. I got to thinking, you know, there's a generation there's a generation that is very, very serious about about fulfilling their word. I'm thankful for people like that, aren't you? I'm glad for people who say, "Hey, listen, I promise to do this, and even if it pains me, even if it makes my life more difficult, I am going to fulfill what I have said." And that's exactly who Hannah was. She was that type of a person. She was serious about keeping the vows that she had made. Now, can you imagine, can you imagine for just a moment what the conversation was like in the tabernacle after Hannah left? <laughs> after she left? the tabernacle and she left her perhaps three-year-old son behind. I, I mean, can you imagine that for just a minute? I, I, I have to think, you know, Eli was looking at that little boy and that little boy was looking at Eli and both of them were probably thinking, what are we going to do now? I mean, I mean, think about it for just a moment. If, if he was three years old, by the way, the uh, the, the Jews that uh, know this story and revere this story, most of them agree that he was probably three years old. The Bible talks about when she had weaned him, and that seems to be the general consensus that uh, th- there was probably a, a, a thought among Eli, and perhaps among those who were in the tabernacle, you know, I, I, I'm not so sure how this is all going to work out. You know, I think to myself that God's people here at our church have been very, very generous and they have given, over the years, they have given some very unique and very unusual gifts to the work of the Lord. I mean, there there have been times in which this church has received from someone, someone has given us a house. So we want you. We want the church to have this house. You can use it. Somebody can live in it. Or you can sell it and, and and profit off of it. But the house is yours. And they have they have signed the deed over to the Cleveland Baptist Church. And there have been there have been folks who have given us vehicles. And and some of those vehicles we've uh, we have used. And and uh, we allow uh, uh, missionaries and evangelists and guests that are here with us for a weekend or perhaps for a, a few weeks or even a few months. Hey. Here's a key. You don't have to buy. go out and buy a car. Somebody gave us this car, and we hope it'll be a blessing to you. Now, there, have been, there have been people who have given cemetery plots to the Cleveland Baptist Church. Then they just had a uh, had them for one reason or another, and and uh, you know you can only use one of those, I suppose. And so you know they they said, hey, listen, I have too many of these. I'm going to give them to the Cleveland Baptist Church. And over the years, uh, we've been able to help some folks who maybe were found themselves in a real bind and, and that didn't have uh, you know the ability to be able to you know their family to not have the ability to be able to bury them. Hey, listen, we can at least help you out with a cemetery plot. And and uh, I know there, over the years, folks have given uh, have given actual silver and gold to the Cleveland Baptist Church. I mean, I mean, the real thing. There have been folks who have donated uh, paintings, and and uh, I mean, just a, just a host of different things that have been donated over the years. But I have to tell you, no one has ever given us a child, and I hope they never do. I really hope they never do. Just a few moments ago, I was in the back and was talking to one of the. A new, one of the families in our church, they just have a little, little brand new baby boy. And I said, can I hold him? And I, and I held him. And, and I got people looking at me like, you need to have another, no, that's not happening. And the only way that would happen is if somebody dropped off a little boy or a little girl at this church and we had nothing else to do with, uh, with a child. But, uh, but I'm thinking to myself, uh, what, what in the world would we do with such a thing? I mean, honestly, So he said, here, I want you to, I want you to have this, I want you to have this child. I'm, I'm giving this child. I'm donating this child to the work of the Lord. I've lent him to the Lord and he's going to be lent to the Lord all the days of his life. Man, I have to think that, that Eli was, was probably appreciative of the great sacrifice that, that went into, went into Hannah doing what she did. I mean, I think he probably looked at that and he said, man, that is something. That a, that a woman, that a woman would give her firstborn and only son, that she would bring him to the tabernacle and give him back to the Lord, and 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 basically the Bible tells us she'd only see him once a year. What a sacrifice! I have to think that Eli was was uh, acknowledging of the sacrifice and appreciating the great sacrifice required by Hannah to do such a thing. But he probably, I have to think, he probably was a little bothered by the added responsibility. I mean, think about it. You know, gifts are meant to make, gifts are supposed to make life easier. But in a sense, in a very real sense, for a while, this gift would make life for Eli and others that were involved in the work of the tabernacle a whole lot more complicated. I mean, if he's if he's just a three-year-old little boy that she is dropping off here at this tabernacle, this is gonna be a real challenge. One day there will probably be a payoff, but that day is not right now. I have to think, you know, from my experience, we've, my wife and I have, th- have had four of them. Three-year-old children are a lot of work. I mean, they are. They're a lot of work. <laughs> and the tabernacle was already a very, very busy place with it being the sole house of worship for the entire nation of Israel. So you've got people coming and going all the time and there are sacrifices being offered and prayers being offered and there's bread to be baked for the show bread and there is, I mean, there's just a million things to do and now we're going to add to the mix, we're going to add to the mix a gift and, and, and all the house of, of worship says, praise the Lord, we're getting a gift. What is it? It's a three-year-old little boy. Well, that's, I don't know if that's much of a gift. I have to think that as Samuel began to age, as he got a little bit older, he began to recognize what an odd arrangement this was. And surely, surely there had to have been moments where he understood that his presence, his presence in this place probably complicated things more than helped things. You know, they just just me being around. I, you, know, you know, I mean, three-year-olds, four-year-olds, five-year-olds, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, sometimes they get in the way more than anything, don't they? I mean, the, the tabernacle was to be a holy place. It was to be a reverent place. It was a place people came to worship God and people came to meet with God and people came to sacrifice great sacrifices before God. And, and, and I just have to think that, 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 that adding a little boy running all over the place probably, probably complicated things just a little bit. And he probably understood that, you know, I, I'm sort of out of place here. Eli would have been responsible for raising Samuel. And teaching him things like how to, how to get dressed, and how to eat, and how to read, and how to write, and how to behave, and how to clean himself, and the list goes on and on of things that you'd have to teach a little boy growing up in a place like that. And I just, again, I have to think that the work of the tabernacle coupled with the work of raising a young child was probably very difficult for an aged man like Eli. I have no doubt, I have no doubt that there were times when Samuel felt like he was more, listen, like he was more of a nuisance, more of a burden than anything else. That's just just the way it is. You know, when you're in a place where you can't do everything that perhaps needs to be done, and, and when sometimes, you know, as a as a young child, you you know, you might say things periodically that you regret saying, or do things periodically that you regret doing. And I just had to think there were some nights in which Samuel pillowed his head, and maybe even when Eli pillowed his head and thought to themselves, you know, I'm not so sure this was a good idea. I don't know if this is, I don't know if this is gonna work. Probably probably from time to time, got in the way of things. Probably messed things up, knocked things over. He probably bothered sincere worshipers from time to time who had come to the tabernacle to worship during his youngest days there. I mean, little children are little children. And they do, they do things little children do. And I just have to think that probably was the reality for a, for a time. You know, can I, can I just say that there's a sense among some about children even still today, who sometimes view children unfavorably. And I just want to go on record to say that I am not in that number. Listen, I, I know there are some who view spiritual decisions made by children very skeptically. I do not. I do not. I I know there there, there are some who, uh, when a child, you know, desires to, to follow the Lord in some way, maybe it's in the waters of baptism, or maybe it's to surrender his or her life to the Lord. You know, there's some that sit back and they sort of fold their arms and they wonder, well, I don't know about that. You know, don't you suppose he's a little too young? Don't you suppose she's a little too young to make a decision like that? And yet all over this room are folks who were saved when they were four and five and six years old and and others who surrendered their life to the Lord when they were just little, little children. God, listen, God was at work in your life even in those days. And God help us never to look at children and, and to see them as a nuisance and to see them as a, as a bother and to see them as just something that, you know, gets in the way and makes life more complicated. There are some who don't like a lot of children around because they make a lot of noise. Sometimes children ask inappropriate questions and, and they run and they endanger others. And, and, and I do want to, I, w- I do want to say for just a moment, we do need to be mindful that our children behave themselves in the house of God. You know, I, I do every once in a while see a little child running across the front of here. And I think, I think parents, we've got to do a better job. we got to do a better job. My, my, my greatest concern is that a little child run into one of our dear older saints and that we'll have an accident. Someone will, someone will break something. Someone will get hurt. And, and, uh, and, and that, that, that concerns me. It's something that I worry about just a little bit. So I think, I think that we've got to have some things in order around here. Please don't misunderstand me. I think that, that there is a, an appropriate way for, for children to conduct themselves. But listen, listen, and hear me, hear me good tonight. I'll take a church full of rambunctious, messy, noisy children over a church that is peaceful and quiet, but has no children running around. I'll take it. I'll take it every day of the week. Listen, kids are sometimes messy and they do bizarre things. They just do. Several years ago, my wife and I were out one night and we had, uh, we had gone, we had gone to Olive Garden. Some of you have been to Olive Garden before. And you know how it works there. You sit down and you know, you order your meal and you know, they, they bring out, they bring out with your meal before your meal comes, they bring out a big bowl of salad. And, uh, and, and you, you, if you've been there before, you, you know what I'm talking about. And, and so we were, we were sitting, my wife and I, were just sitting in a little corner of an olive garden not far from here, and we were just talking. And, and on the other side of the, of the aisle from us, across the way from us, was a, was a family, I think maybe a grandma and a grandpa, with some really, really rambunctious children. I mean, they were just really struggling. And I mean, there was a mess all over that area. They had just absolutely destroyed the place. And sitting right next to my wife and I, just to our right, was a, was a younger couple. I don't know if they were married, or if they were dating or what was going on there but they're trying to have a nice evening and we're trying to have a nice evening and, uh, and here's this, here are these two, two or three kids and they are just absolutely just destroying the whole restaurant and I'm, 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 I promise you you can ask my wife after the service I'm sitting there, she's sitting there and in the middle of the, of the meal a shoe comes flying from their table all the way over the couple sitting next to us just trying to have a nice night the shoe lands in their salad bowl landed right there they didn't even see it coming they're just sitting there and just having a nice time and boom a a shoe lands right in the salad bowl and they looked at each other and we looked at them and of course you know little grandma and grandpa they get up I'm so sorry can we have our shoe back yes you can have your shoe back but it's got lots of Italian dressing on it by now you know and 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 I'm just listen listen you have you, you all have you all have a story like that maybe maybe hopefully not quite that severe but you got children around. you got children in your house. You're going to have, you're gonna have some, some embarrassing moments because that's just what children do. The reality is, with children around, there will be messes to clean up. There will be extra work to be done. There might even be some apologies to be offered. Right? When our children make mistakes, but listen, listen, children are not a nuisance. We're living in a culture. We're living in a society that, that almost looks at children as if, you know, how, how, how many kids do you have? What is wrong with you? Come on, don't say that. Can I, can I tell you what the Bible says? Here's what the Bible says. In the book of Psalms, 127 and verse three, children are an heritage of the Lord. And the, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Next time somebody comes to you and they look, you, you got your kids in tow, how many kids do you have? You say, I have as many as God wants me to have. The fruit of the womb is his reward. Children are an heritage of the Lord. Children, listen, they're image bearers of God. And it, listen, it is vital that we pour everything we have into reaching them because they will be the ones responsible for carrying the gospel to the world long after we are gone. The future, listen, the future of the Cleveland Baptist Church. And I love it every time that children's choir sings up here. 60, 65 of them. strong standing up here singing, I love it. I love watching our our children come into the building and greet one another, and and, and, and I love it. It's it's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. The future of Cleveland Baptist Church is children, and we must not marginalize them to the point where they feel they have no value here or where they feel like they're a nuisance or they're a burden or they're a bother. We should delight in young people singing a special, Even, even if it needs a little work. We gotta delight in it. I mean, listen, what, 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 is, what is this? Is this Carnegie Hall or is this the house of God? This is not a performance venue. This is not a concert hall. This is a family that comes together to worship God. And so if a young person gets up here and sings, we ought to delight in that, even if it doesn't sound exactly as professional as we'd like it. And as a young person, if a young person stands up, we ought to delight if they share a testimony or a message, even if they don't say everything just right. If a young person serves in some other way, Even if, listen, even if it might add a little bit more work to our plate, we ought to rejoice in it. We ought to celebrate that. Samuel might have felt at moments that he was not enough, that his presence in the tabernacle made life more difficult for the work of the Lord, that he was more of a hindrance than a help. But I want you to take your eyes off of how Samuel might have felt or how Eli might have felt. And let's, let's pause for a moment and let's consider what God said about Samuel's place in the tabernacle. And here's what we're going, to find. we're going to find. We're going to find that despite some of the obstacles, God, listen, God was doing some great things in the heart of Samuel. Some great things in Samuel's life as he dwelled in the tabernacle. I want to say, number one, we observe the life of Samuel, just a young boy there in the tabernacle. and Say, what can he do? He's not enough. Well, here's what the Bible says he was doing. Number one, he was ministering. The Bible says it's Samuel ministered. Would you look in chapter number two? And would you look in verse number 18? But Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child girded with a linen ephod. Now the word ministered here literally means to contribute. So in other words, Samuel, what he offered as he grew and as he got older, he, listen, he, he offered contribution to the tabernacle. In other words, his presence there, the longer he was there, his presence there uh, was, was a net po- positive. Now, I find the scripture to be so very insightful. The, the small word that introduces verse number 18 is the word but. And so, and so as we, we think about that, well, that's a, that's a word that reminds us, okay, there's a transition happening here. There there, is, there, there we're introducing a, a new thought and it's being sort of contrasted with the previous thought. So you say, well, what is the previous thought? Well, the previous verses reveal that Eli, the high priest, Eli had some sons who were by this time, listen, they were full grown adults. And yet, listen, they did not contribute to the work of the tabernacle, but they actually were leading to a decline in how folks felt about going to the house of worship to sacrifice, so, so, so there might have been a time in which people thought, well, you know, what's this? What's this little boy? What's this little four-year-old? What, what good is he? And the reality is, God was seeing things from a far, far different perspective. God was looking down from heaven, and God was saying, "Listen, get your eyes off of that little boy and wondering what he can and can't do, and get your eyes on some full-grown adults who have literally caused people to despise coming to the house of God." Look at the Bible says in verse number seventeen. Wherefore, the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. Now think about that for a moment. And you say, well, what, what's going on here? Why would men abhor the offering of the Lord? Well, listen, God had made God had made a provision in His law. And the provision is this: that as people would bring, as people would bring their offerings to the house of worship, the priests, the priests were, were, were given access to some of the meat that was being offered uh, from the lambs and from the bullocks and from the things that were being being given. You, You say, well, I thought the priest got all of it. No, the priest didn't get all of it. God designed the priest, got some of it. That's the way that they ate and fed their families, but they didn't get all of it. Some of it would just be burned up in the in the sacrifice, and then some some would be uh, the, the 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 meat that folks could just take home and they could eat with their uh, with with their family and friends in a in a reverential type of a, of a meal. And, and and so here you say, well, what were the what were the priests guaranteed? Well, the Bible tells us in Leviticus seven in verse number thirty four for the wave breast. And the heave shoulder have I taken of the children of Israel from off the sacrifices of their peace offerings, and have given them unto Aaron the priest and unto his sons by a statute forever from among the children of Israel. So everybody knew. Everybody knew that the priest got they, they got the wave uh, the, the the wave breast and they got the heave shoulder of every piece of cattle that was brought into that to, to that tabernacle for, for for sacrifice. That's what they got. But if you'll read. Beginning in verse number 12, down through verse number 17, you'll find that Eli's sons, listen, Eli's sons were taking much more than what God had permitted them to take. The Bible tells us that while the flesh was being burned and while it was being boiled, these men and their servants would come in and they would have a, they, they a, a three pronged type of a hook. And they would they would go into where the meat was and they, would, and they would grab as much with that three-pronged hook as they possibly can. And people stood by and they watched this happening, but there was really nothing they could do about it. They knew that the priests were taking much more than belonged to them, much more than what they were given by God. They understood that this was unfair, that this was right, but there was not a thing in the world that they could do about it. The people who were bringing the offerings, they were being cheated out of some that should have been theirs. The Bible says that as this went on, and nobody dealt with it, the Bible says that the people, the men, abhorred the offering of the Lord. I I want you to know that here, well, Eli's sons, they were full-grown men, and they were priests, and yet here's a little boy by the name of Samuel. He's a child. He's a nuisance in the minds of some And yet, you know what God said? God said he was a much greater contributor than these men would ever be. He ministered. Listen, children can minister. And children can contribute to what we are doing here. And we ought to encourage that. We ought to be be grateful for it. This morning, as the service came to a conclusion, my wife was here in the front praying with a lady. And she was waiting for me. And some other folks were waiting for me. And so she, she called me over and, The lady that was here, she's a member of our church, and she had her son sitting next to her, and she said, my wife said, her son wants to ask you some questions. And so I sat down. I could tell he was a little nervous. He had his little iPhone out, and and he had actually written the questions down there in his notes. And he looked at me. He's a ninth grader here. And he said, "I, I feel like God's calling me to be a pastor, and I want to ask you some questions about what path I need to take. And I thought to myself, now this is a conversation I like to have. Praise the Lord. Listen, God doesn't call everybody to pastor. and call everybody to full-time Christian service, but he calls some. And even if he doesn't call our children, our young people, they still ought to contribute. They ought to minister. Yesterday, we had Super Saturday here, and there were children running around, having a good time, and some of them were serving, and some of them maybe weren't serving, but they were here, and I'm, th- I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for it. Some of, you, some of you parents, you work a bus route, and you take your children with you on that bus route. Some of you, you go to a nursing home and you take your children with you to that nursing home. Uh, some, some of you sing in the choir and your children come early to, to be there for choir practice and, and, and they sit here in the auditorium and they, and they listen to the choir sing the same songs over and over and over again. Some of you, you bring your, your children up with you in the choir loft. They sit with you up there. Or perhaps they sit with you over here in the orchestra as you're playing an instrument. And, 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 and what, I, what, I'm, what I'm saying is, listen, we ought to encourage children ministering and children contributing to what's being done here. Children can sing, they can serve, they can grow, they can give, they can bless the Lord and others. God, listen, I I want you to know something. God will use a young child with a pure heart much more than he'll use a grown man with a profane or a proud heart. You mark that down every single time. Sometimes we look down at these little ones. God looks at them and God says, no, that, that, that kid's gonna do something great. That kid is doing something great. Meanwhile, if we harbor some things in our hearts, perhaps pride or bitterness or maybe just some, some vulgar things that we've hidden in our lives, God can't use us, but he sure can use that little child that has a pure heart. Let the children serve. Let them minister. Let them contribute. They can contribute. Do not discourage them. But notice a second that we see, not only did Samuel minister, but Samuel grew. Samuel grew. Would you look in verse number 21? And the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bare three sons and two daughters. So God blessed her, didn't he? For lending this child back to him, for fulfilling this vow that she made. And the child Samuel grew, grew before the Lord. Grew before the Lord. You know know, know what that means? That that means that this, this little boy had such a great privilege. You know what that privilege was? He got to grow up in the house of God. You know, in, in many respects, maybe not quite to the same extent that Samuel did, but I, I, I too got to grow up in the house of God, and I'm thankful for it. Most of you know my story. You know that I was raised in a in a Christian home, but not just a Christian home. But I was raised in a Baptist home. I was raised in a preacher's home, and uh, and of course, you know, growing up, this place was our life. And I and I by the by the way, listen, I'm I'm grateful for it. I'm, I'm so I'm so blessed. I have such great memories. Thankful for what God did in my in my heart. Here, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that I got to that I got to grow up before the Lord. I got to grow up in the house of the Lord. I almost I almost feel sorry for parents who 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 sort of you know look at church as an optional thing. You know, I, I think I think to myself, you know, their children, their children are going to suffer. Their children are going to suffer. Now, listen, parents, you, I'm not I'm not trying to put undue pressure on you but I'm just simply saying, listen, you're, you're, you're a believer, you're saved, you're a member, then, then when, this, when, when, when this church meets, you need to be here. And you need to have your children with you. It's the best thing in the world for them to be in God's house. I can't, listen, I can't think, listen, I know there's always going to be conflicts. There's always going to be conflicts. You just need to decide. You need to decide right now. Listen, when there's a conflict, church always wins. Church always wins. What we're doing here is more important than a ball game. It's more important than a concert. It's more important than you know, work. It's more important than making minimum wage. I mean, it's a whole lot more important than that. I remember we, you know, my fir- first real job I ever had was working at Mr. Hero, making, making Roman burgers and cheesesteaks. You know what my parents told me? They said, listen, you can work there, but you just let them know that on Sundays and on Wednesdays, you're not working. Why? Because that's when the church meets. I wasn't missing church. Listen, I was not missing church to flip hamburgers. Now, now, now think about that for a minute. Your children will work for the rest of their lives. And they should work, but they should not work when the church is meeting. And they're, they're, you, know, you say, man, the, the boss says you, you have to do it. Well then go find another job. There's a million, there's a million jobs that will pay a minimum wage. Go find another job. But be in God's house, be faithful. Samuel grew, he grew up before the Lord, the Bible says. By, by the way, by the way, Samuel, Samuel, over time, over time, he learned some things. He, he learned how to tie his own shoes. He learned how to feed himself, how to remain quiet in a reverent setting, how to read scripture, how to light candles, how to bake showbread, how to help with sacrifice. I mean, eventually the time came where Samuel's presence, the Bible says that he ministered before the Lord, that he was a contribution, that he was a help to what was being done in that tabernacle. And, and, and perhaps some of you are in a season right now where, where, where life is really challenging because you got a bunch of little ones running around. And understand, this season won't last forever. One of these days, I, I was just with my... My brother-in-law, my sister-in-law, and I, I almost chuckled. You know, I watch them getting out of the car and they're lugging four or five strollers and sippy cups. I mean, they got, they got bags and bags. And I thought to myself, I looked at my wife, I said, man, that was our life not too long ago. I'm glad, I'm glad I don't have to lug strollers around and car seats, you moms carrying those car seats to so those little ones up until they're one year old. God bless you. My word. Listen, you won't always be there. The time will come when your children will We'll be able to tie their own shoes. Time will come when your children will be able to drive their own car. Lord, help us. Time will come when your children will move out of your house and they'll go on to college and they'll marry and they'll have children of their own. And just understand, listen, they won't always be in this, in this season. So be patient and understand. Children grow. Samuel grew. Notice thirdly, Samuel found favor. The Bible says with God and with man. Would you look in chapter 2 and verse number 26? And the child Samuel grew on, he kept growing, and was in favor both with the Lord and also with men. Listen, parents, it can be done. It can be done. We can raise, listen, we can raise children who are pleasing in the sight of God. And we should. We should, that's what we should strive for. Samuel's growth resulted in favor, or, or we might say good, for him. The New Testament gospel of Luke speaks similarly of another, of another character in the Bible. He's the greatest character in the Bible's name is Jesus. You know what the Bible says about Jesus in his, in his years of growth from the age of 12 until he became an adult man? The Bible says in Luke 2.52 that Jesus increased in wisdom and stature. And notice, it looks similar, doesn't it? And in favor with God and man. That, that that Samuel had that Samuel had some elements in his life that that, that mirrored uh, how Jesus was growing and the favor that Jesus had with God and and before men. The word favor found in the text it, it means good. We we might say it like this: that Samuel's growth brought him to a place of acceptance or approval with God and with men. I've discovered that my ultimate goal in life ought to be ought to be acceptance. Or approval before God. The Bible says in Romans 14 and verse number 17: for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. You know, if I can live in such a way as to be accepted or approved by God, here's what I find. I find that the other relationships in my life will usually fall into place. In other words, if I strive to be right with the Lord, and I usually don't have too many problems with my wife and my children and my coworkers and my, and my fellow church members. Why, why? Because as Samuel discovered, you, you, find, you find favor with God and you're probably going to find favor with men. Here, here's, what, here's what I'm saying. Listen, and by the way, can I say this? Pleasing God is not a matter of age. You don't to, listen, you don't have to wait till you're 21 to please the Lord. He says, you don't have to wait till you're 21 to serve the Lord. You can begin to serve God now. By the way, that young man, he looked at me and he said, well, when should I start preparing my life to be a pastor? I said, you start today. You start today. You don't wait. You start today. You start growing today. A child can please God with their heart, with their heart and their life just as much as an adult can. In this case, Samuel was approved before God as a young child while Eli's sons were in a place of God's wrath and condemnation because of their sin. Here's what, here's what I've found. If one will concentrate first on their daily walk with God and live to please him, a natural outflow of that will be blessing in other important relationships. Here's the point. The fruit of the Spirit growing in the life of an individual will always improve relationships at home, at work, at church, at play, at school, wherever you are. In other words, In other words, listen, we need more people walking around here growing in love. Growing in joy and growing in peace and growing in long-suffering. That'll make Cleveland Baptist Church a much better place. It'll make your home a better place. If you seek favor with God to live in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. Last thing tonight I want to share with you, fourthly, Samuel heard and proclaimed God's word. I have to go to chapter number three. 1 Samuel chapter number three and we find, find an interesting story here. One night during Samuel's youth, The Bible says he lay in his bed in the tabernacle. The hour was dark, both physically and spiritually. The Bible tells us that God was mostly silent during this period. Verse number one, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. There was no, listen, what that's saying is, there was no accepted or proved prophet that the people knew they could trust who would faithfully proclaim to them God's word. There was no one that they could go to and say, give me a word from the Lord. God was mostly silent. It was a dark, dark day. However, there was a boy in the tabernacle that was showing great promise and was generally approved or accepted as different from the others who served there. But he was just a child. I mean, he's just a child. What what good can a child do? No adult who was mature and respectable would go to a young child like Samuel for a message from God. No one was calling him before them and saying, "You know what's, what's God saying to you? No, he was just a child, just a boy. No one viewed him in that way. He was not enough, we might say, to hear from God and to communicate what God had said to others, or so they thought. But God broke his silence, not with a message or a word to the high priest, Certainly not with a message or a word to the high priest's sons who are making men to abhor the sacrifice of God and the tabernacle of God. No, the silence of God was broken with a message to this little boy. The Bible says in verse 4 that Samuel heard his name called, Samuel, Samuel. And he mistook that as being the voice of Eli. So he rushed, he rushed to be near Eli don't you, don't you wish your children would come running as fast as Samuel came running when you call their name? Don't you wish that? Samuel, Samuel, he jumped out of his bed and he ran into wherever it was that Eli stayed and he said, yes, speak, what do you want? Eli said, I didn't, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Samuel went back to bed. And he heard his name called Samuel, Samuel. And he ran once again into Eli's bedroom and he said yes what do you want you called me I didn't call you go back to bed what's wrong with you he went back happened three times on the third time Eli was discerning enough to say something's going on here he he, he said he said to Samuel he said listen the next time the next time the Lord the Lord calls you look in verse number nine if if you hear that voice thou shalt say speak Lord for thy servant heareth So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The voice came again. And Samuel did as he was instructed. Listen, God delivered a message of wrath and condemnation so severe that God says, listen, when people hear this message, their ears are going to tingle. That means they're going to vibrate. They're going to redden. They're going to be filled with shame. God, here's the message God gave to Samuel. God said to Samuel, I'm going to judge the house of Eli for their wickedness. Think about that. I don't know how old Samuel was. The Bible, it's clear in chapter one, he's just a young child, but he's grown. On in several instances, we find him growing and growing and growing on. So by the time we get to chapter three, I don't know how old he is. Maybe he's 12, 13, maybe a little younger, maybe a little older. The Bible indicates that all night, that all night he. He lay with this message. what The Bible says in Samuel lay, verse number 15, until the morning. I just have to think Samuel didn't get a whole lot of sleep that night. I mean, he, listen, he heard, he heard from Jehovah God. I have to think Samuel didn't sleep very much that night. When he wake up the next morning, he was carrying the weight of what God had told him and that he must share it with Eli. Samuel was pressed, the Bible says, indicates by Eli, to say what it is that God had told him the Bible says in verse number 18, and Samuel told him every whit. He didn't hold back. You, you want the message from God? Well, here it is. Here's what God told me. And he hid nothing from him. And he, speaking of Eli, said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth him good. Listen, God is still speaking to children today. He is. Years ago, we had a we had a junior camp. There was a little boy that came to an altar at that junior camp. He was sort of trembling a little bit, tears in his eyes. He sat down with a personal worker, and the personal worker said, What, what are you here for? And the little boy looked at the personal worker, and he said, I, I, I don't know. I really don't know what to say, but I just feel like God is speaking to me. Oh, what a precious thing that is. What a precious thing that is. And listen, listen, every time, every time the Bible is open, every time we get our children under under this, under this this roof, so long as the preacher's faithful to open God's word and proclaim it, the God of heaven has a chance to talk to our little boys. He has a chance to talk to our little girls. And he has a chance to talk to our old men and our old women. And I just want you to know something. God is still speaking. And as parents, it is vital that we do what Hannah did. She presented her son to the house of worship and she left him there to grow. Don't pull your kids out of church as they get older. Don't give them less church, give them more church. Give them as much as you possibly can while you have the opportunity. And because of this, Samuel heard a message from God. Now we must must emulate discernment as we bring our children along like Eli did. Your children are gonna come to you They're gonna have questions about the Bible and questions about maybe what they're wrestling with and talk to them and point them to God and point them to God's word and use discernment. You are, listen, you are to be your your son, your daughter's greatest spiritual leader. That's not my job, that's your job. That's why God put them in your home and not in my home. I'm here to help, I'm here to assist. I'm here to minister to the whole family. But at the end of the day, it's your responsibility to raise your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It's not the church's job. The church church can only do so much. It's certainly not the Christian school's job. It's mom and dad's job. And So bring your children up. Help Help them to be able to hear from God. Put them in a place where they can hear God speaking. Samuel's story, listen, reminds us that God can not only speak to children, but that he can also speak through children. It's exactly what he did here. Gave him a message, and Samuel was faithful to proclaim it. I want, I want the children of this church to know that you are loved here. I want the teenagers to know you are loved here. Truly, truly loved. You're not you're not a nuisance here. You're not a bother. We're, 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 we're happy to pour into you. We're happy to invest in you. I, 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 I want to I see you come in these doors the big old smile on your face, and I want to see you leave this place with lots of chocolate all over your face and as you've gotten some candy and some suckers. Because I, I want you to love coming to the house of God. I want you to grow up here. I want you to minister here. I want, you to, I want you to hear a message from God here, and I want you to leave this place, and I want you to proclaim that message to others. Parents, we have such a unique opportunity and responsibility. Some would look at children and say they're not enough. <laughs> what can what can that little seven-year-old do? What can that little eight-year-old do? What can that 13-year-old do? What can that 15? Listen, listen, if he has a pure heart, he can do a whole lot more than some some old codger that has a profane or a proud heart. May God help us. May God help us. Let's pray for our children, can't we? Let's love our children. Let's minister to them. My prayer is maybe even tonight, there'll be some families here at this altar praying over their kids, maybe just husbands and wives coming saying, we've been given such a sacred task and responsibility to raise our children up. And, and, they, and they're not going to, listen, they don't have to minister to the Lord someday. They can minister to the Lord today. And they can hear a message from God today and they can proclaim that message today. May God help us. Our heads are